and that the losses kind of stuck with me longer than the wins on the other end. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth, accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improve performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Check out my friends Brian and Chris and their podcast, The Greatest Games. They explore coaches' journeys, share some funny stories, and inevitably, Chris tries to stump Brian with some trivia. Check out their website, thegreatestgames.podbean.com, and 816 Basketball on social media. Jeff Wolf, welcome to the Competitive Mindset. Hey, Billy, how are you? Glad to be here. Thanks for making time to make this happen. And a quick shout out to your son, Britton, for connecting us. Well, you got to keep that lacrosse connection. You know, we we had four people in our family with lacrosse connections. So we have a lot of Eagle fans here besides the Carolina ones, too. Well, that's how I know this is going to be a good show because there's a lot of Eagle connections. And that always makes for a good starting point. Let's do it. Walk us through your journey and your background and how it's led you through your career and your life to where you are now. Sure. Well, I, I grew up here in Kohler, one of seven kids, middle child, uh, competitive family, big family, competitive in the classroom, competitive uh, in, on the sports fields, especially on the basketball court. Grew up and uh, started playing basketball, liked, liked the game a lot, grew to love it. Uh, grew six inches from eighth grade to ninth grade in the summer, a very painful summer. Uh, <laughs> So I was about 6'6 six, six at that point. Started to really get serious about basketball, you know, my freshman year. And we had good teams. A team had gone to Col- uh, from Kohler had gone to state in 1972 when they split the division. So it was, uh, you know, a really becoming a, a, it was always a good basketball program. But, uh, it, you know, going to state and we got to go on the bus and things like that. And, so, you know, some, I said, someday we're going to come back down here. You know, I sat with my friends and. He said that, you know, we played basketball all the time. We played all the sports, but we always made time to play basketball. And we said, someday we're going to make it down the state. So we uh, got to, together and, and, and played and played on some good teams. And uh, my senior year, we ended up uh, playing at state. Uh, unfortunately, got beat by a, a really good marathon team that won uh, three uh, state championships in a row. They were really loaded and you know, Tom Weinkoff was a very good coach and did a great job. And, um, you know, they beat us. And uh, but in the meantime, I had started to be recruited by some schools. So recruiting was all new to us, uh, to my family. And uh, my older brother, who had played at Kohler, had had gone on and played at St. John's in Minnesota and then ended up finishing up at Lakeland. So I, I got to see a little bit of the recruiting process. but. Um, after my junior year, I had two schools recruiting me, Northern Michigan and the University of Utah. And only the University of Utah was involved because of Moose Wolson, the great coach at Lakeland College, who was my, my brother's college coach, had told them about me. So I was, had the choice of two schools at that point. Uh, went into our senior year. We played well, had a good team, and the word got out. And it wasn't like today where you went to camps and things like that. I, I didn't have that opportunity. So 
we didn't have social media, we didn't have the internet, so people actually had to come see you play. So we word got out that uh, there was a pretty good player up in Kohler, and uh, the recruiting uh, really took off. At some point, I had over 60 schools contacting me and had some really nice offers to play for for people and uh, met some really great coaches and Coach Dean Smith and Bobby Knight and Lefty Drizel, Al, Al McGuire, Tex Winter from Northwestern to the Bulls. And so it was quite uh, an interesting ride or process, certainly getting to know all these people that you had seen on TV and heard about and things like that. So it was it was, it was awesome, but it was, you know, it was something that uh, uh, took on a life of its, of its own, too. So what it did was it told me that the kid from Kohler could play at a very high level in college basketball. Because, I, like I said, I'd never been to outside camps or anything like that. I'd basically always played basketball in uh, just in Sheboygan County. You know, we'd play some games uh, outside of that in high school. but never really had the chance to play outside this area. And so I grew up just shooting on my court and having my girlfriend and, and now wife would just rebound for me. So we had a lot of dates where she rebounded and I shot and I had the better deal, but I got the best deal because she ended up staying with me to this day. So uh, we had a great time doing that. Uh, but then I, I chose to uh, go to University of North Carolina to uh, play for Coach Smith. I mean, there's Coach Smith, there was just nobody else like him that I met. A lot of a lot of great coaches, a lot of fine men, but nobody better than him. I was just honored to be able to be included to to go to school there because they had just come off. He had just coached the gold medal team in Montreal. So three of my teammates, uh, Tommy Lagarde and Walter Davis and Phil Ford, were on that team. So I was going in a situation from the the little basketball court. Uh, you know, at uh, here in Kohler, to playing with some of the best amateur players and the best amateur coach in the whole world. That was daunting, but it's something I really wanted to do because I was I was a competitor, and my parents had always said, if you're going to do something, you know, be the best you can be and do the best you can. And you know, I, I accepted that challenge, and you know, I passed on playing at Wisconsin and especially Marquette. And I knew Al McGuire and had gone to his camps, and I think. Uh, Ted uh, Kulinski had talked about going to his camps uh, when he was a kid, what was on your podcast. And we might've been there about the same time uh, <laughs> out in Delafield. So those are interesting camps, uh, especially when Al, if Al or when Al showed up, it always made for uh, interesting times because Al was Al and, and just a great guy. But we went to uh, North Carolina and started playing there. Well, one, one, one thing about, before I left, you know, uh, there was an uh, article by Bob Wolf in, of the Milwaukee Journal, who was a big sports writer for them. Not related. Okay. Not real. Not related, especially after that uh, column that he wrote about how he didn't think I'd ever play there. And I was making the biggest mistake of my life. And, you know, like I said, I was a Marquette fan. I grew up playing on the playground. I was playing with all those guys out there and making the shots and playing and everything like that. But then I met, you know, Coach Smith and visited Carolina and changed my mind and um but it's an interesting backstory to this that we'll be coming I'll be coming to in a minute is that then it ended up uh, going to North Carolina to play basketball 
And my freshman year, we ended up uh, making a great run all the way to the national finals where we were playing Marquette for the national championship. So I was looking down, looking down and seeing Al and, and uh, Hank and Rick and all those guys. And unfortunately, they beat us. And uh, so we were runners up. Again, I wouldn't trade it for, for the world to have the opportunity to play at Carolina. And went on from there and played uh, three more years uh, as a starter and uh, proved Bob Wolf wrong. Uh, had a pretty good career and ended up, uh, after graduation uh, from there, uh, being drafted by the Bucs uh, in the fourth round. And uh, they didn't have a first or second pick. And Nellie was a coach at that time. And so we really don't have a spot for you because they were really good, like good not quite as good as they are, you know, now, but they were good, you know, with Lanier and Junior and Sydney and all those, Brian Winters and all those guys. I mean, they were loaded. They were, you know, finishing first in their division. So Nellie said, you need to go overseas because we don't have a spot for you. You need to expand your game and just come back. And that's what I did. And I ended up going over and playing in Rome for the year. And uh, that was a great experience not only from playing basketball, but just experiencing the Italian life. Mm -hmm. Love the pastas, love, you know, love the wine. And looking back on his great, great memories. And also I had the opportunity to play in Sweden and Japan. Played, played briefly in Israel because I had hurt my knee coming back after being in Italy and probably playing my bas best basketball. And uh, slipped the week I was supposed to go to camp slipped and tore up my knee and tore my ACL. So uh, back in those days, they couldn't fix it. They, they didn't have that technology or procedures yet. So couldn't play in the NBA anymore because I couldn't pass the physicals. So that's when I went overseas and played uh, Sweden, Israel for a while, and then Japan. Then after that, uh, injuries took their toll, and I ended up not playing anymore and uh, settling in North Carolina for a couple of years. Came back to home, yeah, I think it was after two years of being in North Carolina because we were, you know, we, my wife and I were starting a family and we just wanted to get back to Wisconsin, back to family. She's from Kohler, I'm from Kohler. So we moved back, had a few different jobs in the meantime, looking for things. I think the biggest thing a lot of times and, and something I found is that as a former athlete, you're so used to that lifestyle. I call it the, the, the competitive juices flowing, that you try to find something that will substitute that in the, in the working world, and it's not always easy to do. So I bounced around a little bit trying this and that and ended up working for John Hancock for a couple of years and selling things and selling things to some professional athletes some insurance and investments and things like that. But then the opportunity came up to coach. So I, I coached a couple of years at Sheboygan North to start my career and then went on, uh, had the opportunity to, uh, was offered the position at Kohler, my alma mater, and took that job and was there for 15 years and was lucky enough to have a great group of uh, players make me look good, better than better than I should have probably. Won the state championship in 1999, so that was a great great thing for our community and our team. In the meantime, my brother and my dad had bought a Dairy Queen restaurant, and my dad needed wanted to get out of it and asked me if I'd be interested in taking it over. 
And then I had to make a decision because at that point, I, my thought process was I was going to coach a couple of years in high school, get my master's degree from Lakeland College, and then move on and, and, and try college coaching. So I was on that, that flight path, but he came, came back and offered me the position to take over the restaurant. And I thought long and hard about it because I, I love, love the game. But then I, I figured that with seven children, it wouldn't be that easy to move around as much as, you know, college coaches have to do. And uh, we, we love living here at home and I had a great job, great school. So I decided to give up that dream and I, I stayed here and ended up, you know, coaching a few more times, once with my daughters in middle school at Kohler and once with uh, my son, Christian, who came back as the eighth grade, something eighth grade coach at Kohler and was his assistant. So I don't know, I was moving, I was moving down. I don't know what, how that all occurred, but it was a great opportunity to, to be with my kids and spend, spend time with them after, you know, they had sacrifice you know seeing their dad give up so much time to coaching as you well know and other coaches know you, you know if you're going to do it right uh it's a lot of hours a lot of hard work but if it's as passion as something you love you can't beat it so then uh 15 years later after uh starting at Kohler uh my son Christian made himself into a division one player and got a scholarship to go to play at Florida Gulf Coast University at he wasn't there when they made their Sweet 16 run. He was there a couple of years earlier, but uh, I had to make the decision as, you know, I was lucky enough to coach both my sons, Britton and Christian in high school. And, uh, but after knowing that Christian was going on to play, I made the decision that a lot of coaches then make is that, you know, families first and I wanted to see him play. And I wanted to go to Florida in, in winter too. So that was great to be in Fort Myers to uh, do that. So uh, I stepped away from coaching high school to do that. But, uh, you know, it, it's something that's always been in my blood and I love to do. And so now I'm, after all that was over, I, I got out of coaching, found that I had very active. I ended up having four of my kids being D1 athletes also which is, was the same as my family originally. So we had seven, my parents had seven, they had four D1 athletes. We had four D, D1 athletes. It's genetic. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I thought that I was busy when we, when I was coaching and working six or seven days a week at the restaurant and trying to be a father. Then I got out of coaching. Then I realized how much I just to see my kids then to get around because my daughter well, take, for example, one weekend uh, on a Friday night, we went to Sheboygan North to watch my twin daughters play in GAB basketball. Then we're lucky enough to get out after that game to go watch my other daughter, Kendall, play varsity basketball at Kohler. And then the next day we had to be in Green Bay to watch my daughter Parker swim for Green Bay at noon. And then we had to be back in Milwaukee because my son had transferred back to UWM for his game at, at uh, seven or eight o'clock at night. And we were just on the road the, the whole weekend. And, you know, at that time, it was just so hectic. But at some point, I remember saying at the drive, aren't, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky? People would, you know, give so much just to be able to do one of these things. And we get to do all these things because of our, our talented, hardworking kids. And uh, 
So we're very grateful. It was a great run. And then, uh, you know, I've now we sold the Dairy Queen restaurant and I'm, I don't like saying retired. I just don't like that word. I don't, I don't feel old. I don't feel, I don't know. Transitioning but, into a new phase. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> Happy to help anytime. So in there, you mentioned the competitive juices. So I'm, I'm curious now as you're transitioning, what do you do to keep that competitiveness alive in yourself? Do you play darts? Do you, you know, try to mow the lawn faster than your neighbor? What is it that keeps you going? The good thing about getting out of the restaurant business in February of 2019 is we got out before the pandemic. The other thing, but on the, the other hand, now I got a lot of time on my hands that I've never had before. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't done a great job of filling that time as productively probably as I could have or should have. Done a lot of reading. I went fishing this summer. I went fishing for the first time and I can't remember how long because, you know, it's basketball in the winter and Dairy Queen in the summer. There's just so many hours that, you, you know, you just don't have that. I, I used to love the fish. So I, I tried to go fishing again. That feels a little bit of time, but uh, I guess the thing that I'm trying to do is get back into basketball a little bit. You know, I've, I've done some private instructions. I help my, you know, get my daughter, uh, Madison, uh, who's playing professionally over in the Czech Republic. I worked with her all summer individually. So uh, wait till she gets that bill. And, you know, I, I just like to, whenever people want to talk about basketball, do something basketball wise, you know, I'm open to do that. And, you know, there's, I'm, I still have a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, a lot of energy and things like that. So, you know, I do some volunteer work and, you know, so, I mean, there's, I do this and that. I don't have anything at this point, you know, regular that uh, fills that time, but, then on the other hand, I figured that after all those years of running around that much in those hours, it's it's not bad to be able to sit back and go, well, I just don't feel like doing that today. And, well, and that's uh, a hard thing to overcome sometimes is to feel like you're being productive, but you need that recharge time, right? You need that downtime to be able to get your energy back and mentally refresh yourself. Correct. Right. And like I said, especially during this whole pandemic stuff, I mean, I just... I was sitting on the sidelines watching this. I couldn't imagine all these people being out there and doing all the things they did. I mean, my wife's in healthcare and just to go in the hospital every day, especially before they had the vaccine. I mean, those people are the heroes. Those are the people that should get paid, you know, so much more than they do get recognized more. And I, you know, the good thing is they started to finally get recognized for what they, they do every day. And, and the police and the fire and all these guys, all these people that, you know, deserve that recognition and do a great job. It's just, uh, you know, it's great to see that. All right. I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about the first time you remember competing in something and whether that was an organized sport or backyard play with your family, because you alluded to a little bit like playing with with your family. Do you remember the first time competition really came out in you? I think that actually it was with in peewee baseball. And organized wise is that uh, because back then there there weren't there weren't really a lot of opportunities outside of like peewees baseball and that sort of thing to play in an organized sport. Uh, all of our you know playing out in the yard was always competitive. My brothers were a little bit younger than I was, so but you know there, it was still competitive. Uh, 
but I can peewee baseball. And then I remember starting organized basketball in fifth and sixth grade. And actually we played in a, an old gym. I remember in fifth grade that the old Grant School in Sheboygan Nights, now I'm talking like I'm from the Peach Basket era, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a regular size court. And they had, the window was right underneath the basket. So they had like chicken wire over the window. So if you went in too hard into the, for a layup, you you got into the chicken wire. You didn't know if you're going to be able to get out or not. <laughs> so I, I remember that. That was, I mean, I just, I just thought it was like the Boston Garden though. Cause you know, it was the first opportunity as a kid to play organized basketball. And I was like, oh, wow, look at this place. This has got so much character. Little did I know that I, probably needed a tetanus shot after I got out of there but I remember that um I remember punt pass and kick mm -hmm. in football uh I did pitch hit and throw in baseball and won a few th of those and um so I always loved to compete I always I loved to, to figure out how to become better and, and practice and set goals and, and do that sort of thing and you know that that was something that I thought I always excelled at so those are some of those experiences that I remember from back then. You just said setting goals. Do you recall how you learned to set goals? Was it taught to you? Was it through the people around you? Do you recall that at all? I would assume that. And like I said, my parents were probably the first about as, as far as finding what you're passionate about and then going out and, and doing the best you can. And how are you going to do that? And I don't remember exactly how my goal setting started, but I, I, I'm sure that, you know, my mom and my dad said, well, if you want to do it, you got to go out and practice. You got to do it over and over and over and over. It, I don't remember one formal type of, of, of uh, uh, incident or, you know, moment that that happened, but uh, it was just part of, uh, part of who I wanted to be and part of what I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah, that always intrigues me. I'm curious about how people go about learning how to do that. And so it's it's always different with everyone. So I was interested in that. I want to talk about Coach Dean Smith a little bit. For those people who aren't necessarily basketball minded, he is an absolute legend in the basketball coaching world. So I'm curious if you recall the first time you had an interaction with him where you knew you were in the presence of greatness. I remember exactly the first time it was the on my uh, the second recruiting trip that uh, Carolina made to my house was the first time I met him because I had met with the assistant coach the time before that and expressed interest in North Carolina. So they said Coach Smith would be coming in. And, and when he came in, it was just like he didn't talk about basketball. I mean, you know, he talked about academics. He talked about learning how to, to become a man. Uh, he, 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 you know, he told my parents that if they, they entrusted, uh, their son with him, this is what he was going to do. I mean, he, he just talked about life and talked about how he would always be there, uh, no matter what, not just for the four years we were there, but for the rest of our lives, because we'd be joining the Carolina family and, uh, people that, you know, Sometimes people just don't understand what it, it, being part of the Carolina program is all about. And it's just something special that goes on to this day. So, like I said, I just, I just really was 
drawn to him as he was talking because he wasn't talking about, okay, you're going to be a basketball player. You're going to do this. What are your interests after basketball, you know, school is over? What, well, I was thinking about going to law school at that point and being, well, we have a great law school. And, you know, he, he just talked about all that and basketball came up later, but that wasn't the beginning of it. And he just talked about, you know, just about all of his experiences in basketball and what it had taught him. And, uh, like I said, I was hooked. Well, and that's a perfect segue here because the ball does eventually stop bouncing, right? And then, so I want to try to parallel with you the competition that obviously you used in basketball to find success that way. How did you draw from that experience with your competition making a successful business with the Dairy Queen restaurant? Well, it you know, I I certainly wasn't expecting to be a restaurant owner at any point in my life when I was, you know, coming up and, and playing basketball and traveling all over the world and, you know, doing all these sort of things. Uh, I like going to Dairy Queen because I liked all the ice cream, the soft serve treats and the blizzards and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I certainly had been to one, but it was sort of like the, it wasn't on my radar. But again, I think life is, you know, life is funny because life can change as we've seen certainly recently can change very quickly. And, but, but for me, it was just, it came down to an opportunity An opportunity came up and, you know, I had other plans, but uh, the competitor in me said, yeah, I can learn how to do this. I can do this. And I, you know, I, I've learned how to do all these other things and I, you know, I, I excelled at them and I know how I can get there again. Uh, it's going to be a lot of hard work. That fit in well with my basketball background. Took discipline. That it took goal setting. I mean, there's so many. There's so many parallels, uh, you know, in, in business that uh, you know many of your guests have talked about certainly. And uh, you know, there's there's so many parallels in the business world that you can take from the sports world. And you know, that's why there's coaching out there for you know business people now because you can take that teamwork uh, concept and. And develop it, you know, in a Dairy Queen restaurant, just like we did. So I tried to take all those same lessons that I had learned as an athlete and as a coach and apply them in my business. And, you know, they worked out very well because, you know, not everybody, not everybody can stay in the restaurant business for 25 years. I mean, it takes, you know, that's something that really, you know, you got to get up. And I, I was a very hands-on owner. Because I felt like, just like when I was a player, when I was a coach, I had to set an example. And my example to my my team members, as I called them at, at the restaurant, was that no one's going to outwork me. And uh, I'll lead by example, and I'll show you, you know, how to do this. And uh, this is the work ethic that I have, and I'll be glad to share with you, you know, how I got here and some of the things that I did. But I can let you in on some of these these traits that I've developed and uh, the very rewarding thing Billy is that just like in the coaching business you know when former players come back and, and thank you and say thanks coach and you know this is where I am in my life and you know you had uh, you know you your lessons helped me with that I had people come back that had worked for me years before and said thank you you know you gave me my first job you taught me you know skills that got me going in life and, and pointing me in the right direction and you know we appreciate it so that's that's ultimately why I coached and that's ultimately 
you know, the reward that I got out of being a business owner was, you know, being able to help people and uh, provide for my family, certainly. But, you know, no, just teaching people the life skills that they could use that I've been lucky enough to learn from a lot of great coaches. And so over the course of 25 years, nothing stays static. The industry changes, the world changes around you. So you have to be constantly evolving. And with that comes idea generation, right? Whether it's how to fill your employee slots in your restaurant or to make decisions within your business. So I'm curious how you would go about taking your ideas that you had and moving them into action so they could make a positive impact for your business and your team members as you just listed them. Well, I think early on, in my more so, well, I, I took it from coaching to uh, and in, into the business world at the restaurant is I was, you know, I made decisions on my own that I thought were best for, for my business, from my experiences and, you know, over the years that I had accumulated. But as the years went along, you know, I kind of got more collaborative with uh bringing more people in and getting their opinions on, on uh, exactly how the business could be run better because I wasn't there, you know, I was there a lot, but I wasn't there always. And I trusted people and I taught people and I, I trained them to, you know, do their job when I wasn't there, but they just learning what their experiences were, especially with, you know, when you're in such a customer driven customer service industry, you know, what can we do better? You know, because there's, so many restaurants out, out in the world and so much competition. Why are why are people driving past all those places and coming to our restaurant? You know, what are we doing right? Well, let's keep doing that. But now, how can we get more? Because we've got this group of people that are coming all the time. So we're doing something right. And that happened year after year after year. But now, how can we get more? Because I'm a competitor and I want to get more. Because I don't want them stopping at. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna give them any air airplay because there's enough <laughs> commercials. I'm not even telling you, but they got to like a a yellow M looking thing. How can we get them to come 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 and come past them because we can't compete with price with them? But how do we do that? Well, we we can do it with having a clean facility. We can have it do it doing it with great service. We can you know having great quality products. So that's, you know, that's basically the, the, the type of things that, you know, I used to, as a competitor and how it, it changed over the years is just to reinforce that all the time, because, you know, it's easy as the year go, years go on and by to always do things the same way and, you know, stay static. But actually it was my son, Britton, who left me, who worked for me and worked as a manager at, at came back and said, dad. Just because you've done something the same way for all this time doesn't mean it's still the right way. And I kept that up over my desk and I try to use that over and over again to try to reinvent how we did, did things. And, uh, you know, we made changes. Certainly we made changes over the years on, on hiring. We made changes in, in how we presented, you know, products and, you know, how we could improve on that service times and all those little things that, you know, are under your control. Just like, you know, on a basketball court, you have certain things that are under your control and what you can do. And that's something I always stress to my kids and, and to, my, to, to my teams. Control, you know, control the things you can control and, you know, good things will happen because the other team or the other side might not be doing that. And that's how you win. 
So you just mentioned in their motivation with trying to improve each year with the business and the same thing goes into coaching. You want to improve your team from season to season. So I'm curious if you're driven by the fear of losing or the joy of winning when it comes to competition. Never feared losing. In fact, I was talking to a, a young coach the other day about that. I had a, a, a kind of hypothetical question. I said, well, you, you know, you're, you're, in a, you're, you're just starting out as a coach uh in your coaching career you know are you ever going to be afraid of teams are you ever going to fear losing to teams and doing you know and and she said no she said i that never comes into my mindset i said well that's half the battle right there because i never ever as as a player or a coach ever felt that i'm going into this this game possibly losing i i never did that so it was always the joy of winning. Now I'll I'll say also that the joy of winning didn't last as long as the losing end of it and being upset about it because I hated to lose, and that the losses kind of stuck with me longer than the wins on the other end. So you know it's it was con it's constantly kind of symbiotic going back and forth. Okay, we won twenty one and three. Well, what did I do wrong as a coach in those three games? That's the mentality I think of a lot of coaches sometimes. And and that's something that changed for me over the years is I enjoyed the process more and I joy, enjoyed the wins more. And I made a conscious effort to do that because, you know, it the other way it can drive you crazy. Yeah, and it absolutely comes with experience and having more comfort level with it. So speaking of experience now, this leads me right into mentorship. Can you tell me about a mentor that you've had in your life and a lesson that you use from them on a regular basis or maybe you instilled in your children? Coach Smith. Besides my parents, certainly uh, Coach Smith. There's so many times over the years that, you know, I, I use certainly all those lessons that, that I had been taught in my family, but when it came to basketball and coaching, I, you know, I'd always, what would coach do? What would coach do in this situation? Well, you know, because there was nobody that prepared a team better than he did in every kind of situation. I mean, you mean you'd be down eight uh, at, you know, over at Duke, you'd be down eight of a couple minutes left. And, you know, you call a timeout, you come to the bench and the Cameron crazy would be going crazy. And he'd look at you and smiles and say, this is right where we want to be. And you believed them, you know. It's it's one thing to say it as a coach, but the, for the for the you know you, you can just look at you could look at your teammates and you look and yeah, we're we're going to do this. And we did that so many times that uh, the mentoring that the, like the lesson he always he he taught me so many things. It's just he talked to Carolina way about teamwork and about uh, respecting people, uh, all kinds of people. And you know, when I when I talk about respect, I I think that I paid my team and my my um, community paid him a great uh, not a service, but a great compliment because the year we won the state championship, we also won the state sportsmanship award, mm -hmm. and to me that was just as important because that that says something about you know, you know the team, your community and everything like that. So I was as proud of, of that, but there were so many things, Billy, we could talk for hours about what he taught me. And um, we might know. have to have a special coach Dean Smith dedication episode. 
I tell you, you could get me, you could get everybody that ever played for him, and they could do the same thing because we love the man. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to transition and uh, move out of a little bit less seriousness. Now I need you to use your imagination. And if you were to look inside the refrigerator at your house and pick one item out of that refrigerator that best identifies who you are as a person, what item would that be and why? Well, because I have, I grew up in a family of seven and I had seven children the refrigerator is probably empty. <laughs> they, they ate all the food. It, you know, it, I don't think it's one item. Certainly, all my fa my family members would say to be a few items, and it would be the uh, ingredients for my famous buffalo chicken pizza that uh, that I make, and we have pretty much every Friday night. But when I associate with food, I think of family. And getting together and around the table and at a meal, there's nothing better than that. So it it it, it could be that, but as long as there's something in there that they haven't all eaten, uh, I can pretty much make what I something out of nothing a lot of times. But I, I think it's I would say the buffalo chicken pizza ingredients, and uh, I think that you know everybody will understand, especially my family. Yeah, I, I appreciate that answer and, and tying it in with the family. It's interesting, the Carolina way and family, how it all, everything always comes full circle. Jeff, thanks for coming on Competitive Mindset and sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been a pleasure. Believe me, like I said, I could go on for hours. It's been, it's always great to talk about uh, basketball in Carolina and just all the great people that had the opportunity to meet along the way. I wanted to give a big thank you for Jeff for coming on and sharing today. If you would like to get in touch with Jeff Wolf regarding anything, you can email him at jwolf42 at gmail.com. Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod.